The Tunnel to Towers Foundation is building its Do Good Village in Lando Lakes, Florida. It's the first of its kind, a community of 110 homes for the Foundation's program recipients. So together, families can heal. So together, families can help one another. A special place where families know that their neighbors understand and care. Make the Do Good Village the first of many. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. He looked at me. I have been his patient for more than 20 years. And he said, this is really strange. You're an African-American, age 57. I've never seen this before. This back pain that you're continually having with no signs of osteoporosis. No signs, exactly. And I didn't have any signs of osteoporosis in my family history. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. And welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the High Low Sports Podcast. It is DJ, joined as always by my co-host, Kelsey, for this live cast and podcast you're hearing the next day. And Kelsey, uh, we had a busy week in sports, and it just really ended about 24 hours ago, honestly, from when it actually has kicked off as well, too, or at least the week wrapped up because it was a bit elongated. Yeah, it was uh, kind of surprising. We had, what, four straight days of football? Five five days of football in six days, if you will? Pretty uh, it's, much, it's yeah. Been, uh, been an exciting time actually honestly you could honestly say there's six days of football in six days if you include bowl games um but yeah it's despite everything else going on we had a fantastic week of, of sports absolutely and then we have a wednesday today that we're recording this off and then we're right back into it on thursday as well too so that football is starting to turn into a basketball like schedules we're going that's gonna lead us right into our opening segment that we like to call the tip off tip off is of course brought to you by dr squatch smell like a man feel like a champion and of course, you can get all of your holiday soap needs online. Click on the link in our bio as well, too, and in our link tree. That'll take you right where you need to go. I actually have a couple of my own that I recently ordered as well, too. We got Fresh Falls. If you're going out with the lady, you want to smell absolutely clean. And we got Pine Tar for you baseball fans out there as well, too. So definitely don't want to miss out on those and jump on those deals while you can. So, Kelsey, this is going to be a little bit of copy and paste from last week's tip-off. We got not only the return of Rona, we got part two back more dangerous than ever. It's almost like it watched film and then came back better than ever. Yeah, you know, it's it, it educated itself on what to do this time a little bit more than last time and how to shut down a league even faster or shut down the teams even faster, if you will. And uh, look, it's um, I don't know, man, it's 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 crazy. Like you sit here and look at all these positive cases and obviously every league is doing their own thing to try to kind of try to adjust. But I don't think any of them are working at this point in time. Not at all. I mean, we talked about the NFL rescheduled three games this last week. You rescheduled the Browns versus the Raiders, the Rams and the Seahawks, the Eagles and Washington. Nothing really changed when you're like, not really anybody came back. Like we look at the Browns, John, Josh Johnson came back. That's the only one that really came back on that day. And we see even today they've activated, I think, two players off of the list and still added another one and got the coach back. Washington still had to play Garrett Gilbert, who was because they couldn't get any of their top two quarterbacks back, quarterbacks back. The Rams, they really um, luckily for them they still had cooper cup that's all they needed really and then but like odell's the only one that was tested positive and came off the list they're still rattled as well too so do you feel like it was almost i don't want to say a waste but do you feel like it was a little bit unnecessary or how do you what do you think of it now now that we've seen the aftermath play out sorry i got things yelling at me now my bad mm-hmm. uh i you know they that's just sums up the rona right now but no it, mm-hmm. it, it, it is kind of uh it is kind of it is kind of weird that yeah nothing changed and then a few players got off of the uh off the list and then more honestly i feel like more got checked back on it is crazy like you look at it and it's you know you mentioned austin eckler uh you know bosa as well now he's gonna be out for this week guaranteed um then there's well what i'll talk about a little bit later on and uh in buffalo the kind of guy we've been the most outspoken one uh you you might say for the um anti-vax vaccinated group in the nfl uh you know he uh finally caught a kind of with his own medicine so um, but it'll be interesting. Um, you know, the one that kills me is Anthony, uh, Anthony Wilson, or Anthony Walker, sorry, the, the, the Browns linebacker, texted his dad and said, if I had these symptoms when I was a kid, 
you'd have made me go to school. Hmm. I was like, well, maybe, but not really, but maybe. If you had the symptoms, maybe, but not a particular virus, that's where it kind of gets a little bit slippery. It looks like a duck, it smells like a duck, but it might not necessarily be a duck. It might be a mongoose ready to rip your head off. That's what makes this kind of weird as well, too. So definitely a mess in that in its own regard there. But that's not the only one. The NBA, my goodness, they, they have they been probably the most straddled, if you will, as well, to the point where the Nets completely changed their stance. Like, you know what, we'll let Kyrie play outside of New York. We need him back. He enters COVID protocols right away. The Celtics are bringing ISO Joe Johnson up, 40 years old, Hasn't played since 2018. He's going to come back because they need, they just need bodies. We saw the Lakers, Austin Reeves had to be a hero at one point. And now we, the other day we had LeBron playing with him and Westbrook and a bunch of guys at that point with all the players on the COVID list. Portland and Brooklyn got rescheduled multiple times. Now, like, I feel like at the end, at this point, the NBA is just about, they're just about that point. I feel like, nah, pause button, taking a break. Hold on, everybody, because it's getting kind of ridiculous. I might be able to suit up at this point the way we're going. We joked about that with the NFL, but the NBA is going to need somebody out there soon. Yeah, it does feel like that, doesn't it? I mean, it's 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 one of those situations where you you know, uh, you have teams canceling left and right. You have the entire Kings organization. It feels like on uh, on 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 going on and off the COVID protocol list. You have the entire Cavaliers organization going on and off the COVID list. So it's a matter of time before they start shutting it down, or at least you know, seeing things we we have. And it's it's not the first league that would have shut down this year. Not at all. And they have All-Star Weekend coming up. It's obviously still a couple months away, too, but you want to try and get that. You'd imagine you want that taken care of as quick as you can and get things reorganized. Because the last thing you want is they to get shut down during All-Star Weekend as well, too. And that's in Ohio, which Ohio's having their own COVID issues right now as well, too. So hopefully they get that figured out in time for that. And, of course, we talked about the NHL. They just said, nah, we're taking it. We're, they just basically shut everything down. They're like, we're stopping this right now because it's getting out of hand. I mean, they had multiple games that had to get canceled. Multiple organizations completely infected top to bottom. So... At this point, it almost feels like all leagues should almost take a two-week hiatus and just be like, hold on, everybody. It's hard for the NFL right now, obviously, considering where they are in the season. But NBA and NHL, I think NHL is the right idea. I think NBA should do the same thing. NFL, I feel like they're just going to have to figure out a way to go through it. They did change the protocols. Obviously, we're now vaccinated players barely aren't really getting tested at all. It's mostly keeping track of unvaccinated players, like a certain player that we'll be talking about later that you mentioned as well, too. But this seems to be more of a how can we get fewer tests for players that aren't sick i guess that's the best way but obviously they have the virus but they're not sick if that makes sense and they're if they're vaccinated and fully jabbed then they're not too much to worry about and on top of that we look at college football the playoffs are coming up the bowl games are kicking in full effect it's only a matter of time before it gets there too michigan on the other hand though they did a little something something they could try and preempt that so good on them but hopefully this doesn't affect college bowl season college football playoffs on top of it yeah they do have a the, the ncd did did release their plan for what would happen and as you might expect literally unless it is one of the playoff games they are don't they're not going to reschedule it plain and simple and they um, literally even said like a team can win the college football playoff and be a national champion due to covid covid uh forfeiture so somebody could literally win the college football playoff and be national champions without even playing a game this could that's absolutely crazy to me to think about you could literally sit on the sideline and just randomly end up champion honestly which yeah yeah <laughs> no, that's, that sums it up i mean like uh it's 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 kind of crazy and and it doesn't make a whole lot of sense that you know you could have a national championship national champion that way but i mean we used to we used to crown a national champion that way so it's not like it'd be the weirdest thing in the world hello bcs we're looking at you a little bit there maybe subtle shots <laughs> even previous i think previous bcs i mean the uh what is it oregon and old joey harrington um when they split the uh split the national championship that year i mean they that was a voting i think it was them in miami split the national championship through non-bcs procedures so that was the last year of the non-bcs program then it went bcs and then um you know it, it's now here we are again to a potential like here's a national champion without playing a game i really hope we don't get to that as well too obviously michigan if i'm not mistaken harbaugh said the majority of the players are going as a group to get the booster shot as well on top of it to do everything they can so as long as they get that offensive line they get that front defensive line and they get their running backs they'll find a way i mean like they could sub they could sub and play a quarterback in the back end the way aiden hutchinson and and, and Jabu are getting after it You'll be fine. You just have to hold up for about a second and a half. Just don't get toasted immediately. You'll be fine. Aiden Hutchinson will do the rest of the work. So put him in the put those few guys, put those handful of guys in a bubble. I think Michigan will be okay moving forward. Unless they run into the Alabama fully healthy. That that could get dangerous then. Unless any of them uh decide they want to go check out Ohio and then uh hmm. then they might want to be careful. Um, you know, this is you see all the teams that have been coming in and out of uh in Cleveland and playing pro pro games in Cleveland and then leaving in like, oh well, there goes half the roster. Bye. <laughs> like that's just it. So maybe maybe avoid Ohio in your flight down Michigan. 
And you know what? That seems like a safe bet as well, too. I know it's kind of right along the way, but maybe take it, take the long way if you need to go as well, too. So that way you don't have to deal with the long way either as well, too. So hopefully the return of Rona is only a sequel. We don't have a full saga coming up along the way as well, too, because there's still plenty of sports left we don't want to get interfered with along the way, especially NFL playoffs. That's going to be a scary thing to look at as well, too. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Start a journey, not a fad. Kick off your fitness journey with up to $500 off Peloton Bike, Bike Plus, or Tread packages. Choose the package that will take your training to the next level with accessories like our cycling shoes, heart rate band, non-slip grip dumbbells, and more. Join now and you'll see why 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. All access membership separate. Offer ends January 8th, 2023. Excludes Bike, Bike Plus, and Shred Basics. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com. But that's going to do it for our opening tip off. A relatively quick one today, but we're going to have a little bit more fun in our main event as we head into that main event as well, too, that we like that we like so much. Brought to you by ColorCast. If you haven't jumped on ColorCast, you know, I don't know what you're doing. That's where I'm surprised you didn't find us there. We're on there quite frequently. It gives you a chance to live sports commentary, hang out with your friends, drop your hot takes as well, too. You could listen to LeVar Ball, Braxton Berrios, Derek Brown. There's a whole lot of hot takes on there. You want you want to jump on it as well, too. There's a hot seat. You could jump in. Cast Weathers, listen to others. If you don't want to listen to Chris Collinsworth, do Chris Collinsworth things. Because honestly, I, that's part of the reason we decided to do is we were tired of hearing other people say silly things. So definitely get on ColorCast if you haven't yet. Yeah, definitely. Like if we, I, I would be surprised if nobody's hurt, found us that way. I mean, that's. <laughs> I feel like we've made our calling cards on, on that on the app by, by now. Like it seems like it's mandatory at that point as well, too. But that takes us into the highs and lows. And Kelsey, would you like to go with your highs first, or would you like me to hive go first? Yeah, you know why not? I think I think I'll go first this I say, time. I think you've been itching for this one, so I, I'm I'm leaning back, I'm ready. Uh, you know, and I'm gonna start with, well, them bungles <laughs> that are no longer bungling it away. The Bengals. The Bengals. The Bengals are in first place, ladies and gentlemen. Who would have thought? Look, squeaking, getting getting first place gifted to them because the Browns. Yeah, I, I'm just going to ignore your cup, so try as hard as I can. What? I gave you the pun. You could say they're ruling the jungle right now. I'm not going to say that because right, it's, it's, it, it, that was a, it's a very poopy jungle, right, that they're ruling right it now. It doesn't matter what kind of jungle. You're still at the top. <laughs> uh, it's the trash jungle, maybe. But, no, it's uh, like the Browns gifted them first place in the division. Um, and I do say gifted because, well, between COVID and, and you guys couldn't stop a running game to save your life in the last three weeks. Well, this is what happens. Um, you know, you, you, you control your own destiny, both of the Bengals and still the Browns do control their own destiny, but the Bengals right now in first. And I think it's a little early. I don't think anybody expected the Bengals to be this good, this fast, but here you are. You don't draft an offensive lineman in the first round. You get Jamar chase. Who would have thought it makes you first in the AFC North. I mean, that's just, that shouldn't be how this works out, but here we are. It is. Joey B is looking fantastic. Joe Mixon, again, top five in the NFL in rushing, yet again for another year. Uh, Jamar Chase is absolutely killing it on deep balls, and his yards per catch average is insane. And T. Higgins is the guy that gets all your catches. Like, he has all your receptions. Jamar Chase has all your yards. And they split touchdowns between them and C.J. Uzoma, who we've seen three or four times this season, just have an absolute monster of a game. And it's just – it's been fun to watch. They have a lot of young pieces. Obviously, Logan Wilson going down. When we were at the Chargers game, that was a little bit terrifying. But, but with that said, you know, not a bad situation to be in. If you're if you're the Bengals, you're kind of just sitting here, just like, all right, well, I feel pretty good about myself. I control my own destiny. Got three weeks left in the season, uh, one more or two more divisional games, and let's see what I can get out of here. Absolutely, as well too. I mean, Joe Mixon, as you mentioned, second in the league in rushing. Who would have thought that as well too? With that offensive line, they did not put together. They didn't draft. Jamar Chase, you mentioned a top five receiver at some multiple points as well, too. They've been absolutely explosive. They almost peaked too early, it feels like, as well, too. It's like you guys were supposed to be bad one more year. You're not supposed to be this good this quick. So now how are you supposed to take a top five offensive lineman? Like, we had this laid out for it. We did this in our pre when we did our predictions. We're like, all right, Bengals, you're going to suck one more year just because everyone else is ready. Then you're going to explode next year. Turns out we were a year late. Usually we're a year early, but we're a year late. And Joe Burrow's a, he's a little bit of a gunslinger out there as well, too. It looks like he's dead. I know at LSU, he kind of threw it up a little bit more often because you had Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson in squad, but he kind of carried that over for better and for worse here in the NFL. And 
I don't say I think that's part of the reason they've been so dangerous is because they don't give a you know what at some points, and they're almost too naive. And Joe Burrow's like, ah, screw it, I'm gonna do it again to a fault, but sometimes to their benefit, which has got them to this point. Yeah, I mean, who would have thought in this AFC that we have a, just a complete mess in right now that the Bengals would be one of those teams with a first with a uh, a home game in the first week? Like, that's not 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 what I maybe sneaking into the playoffs at the end of the season. That's what I was expecting, but right now. Home game in Cincinnati where we've experienced it is loud. You have a whole lot of Bengals fans that are just ready to go. The uh the hated Ohio City, if you will, for 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 Clevelanders. Um they hate the city of Cincinnati, they call it Kentucky. So um those Kentuckians, let's just say they'll embrace themselves and uh and make themselves as loud as can be it, come playoff time if they manage to to squeak a home game in there. And that talk about two years of AFC North kind of just awkwardness. You have the Browns getting in the playoffs beating everybody else in the AFC North, then this year the Bengals might be might be getting squeaking their way in. I feel like it's about to turn to the NFC South of a few years ago where it's just kind of a rotating carousel who wins the division. And on top of it, too, you talked about how Ohioans hate Cincinnati and they kind of banished it to almost Kentucky, basically. Joe Burrow even said, like, maybe the lack of nightlife is why they've been able to stay so far away from COVID. Is, I'm paraphrasing as well, but he basically said, like, uh, we don't really go out a whole lot, so they've been pretty COVID-free as well. And could be just what you need down the stretch. It's a battle of attrition more than a battle of skill at this point. Can you keep at least 85% of your roster good to go. And as long as they got number nine back there, I feel pretty good about it, especially if number one's going to be running deep all over the place. That's that's quite the quite the jungle of, of an AFC wildcard pitcher as well, too, and they look to be in the thick of it. So, Kelsey, we're looking at high number two. I'm curious to see where someone's going to go because I didn't. I was surprised to see the Bengals, honestly, but I'm really curious to see what number two is now. So number two on the highs, I'm actually going to stick with the whole theme of a cat, uh, and I'm going with Tank Bigsby. Okay. okay, so in a year where we've seen transfer portal guys just walking through, it's literally the Dr. Pepper commercial where they just walk through the transfer portal and somebody else pops out the other side. Tank Bigsby enters his name into the transfer portal on a Monday. Tuesday rolls around, no change. Wednesday rolls around, no change. Thursday rolls around, though. And after a conversation with Brian Harson where they got on the same page finally, it feels like, Tank Bigsby withdraws himself from the transfer portal. In what is the biggest success for a team to keep a star player in the transfer portal to this point in time? I've not seen another big name enter the name in the transfer portal and then pull their name out of the hat yet. This is the only one. And I don't know what Brian Harson said to him. I don't know what magical words were spoken in the ear of Tank Bigsby. But thank you, Brian Harson, from an Auburn fan. Because, yes, we need Tank Bigsby. Tank Bigsby is the guy that's going to have to carry this team literally and philosophically. Jarquez Hunter is fantastic. He'll still carry the ball. But when you've seen Sean Shivers wa- walk away and you've seen a guy I'll talk about here in a minute, Bo Nix transfer out. But Tank Bigsby is the biggest win so far for Auburn in this transfer portal saga where we sit here and look at kids going left and right. Spencer Rather going to South Carolina. You have a countless amount of p- players going to South Carolina or South- Southern California, Texas, Oklahoma, you know, Alabama. I mean, transferring to and from these schools, and it's it's, it's absolutely insane. So, this one I, I like. You mentioned it to me one day, like the day it happened, and I'd already seen the news on 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 Twitter. And I was like, I'm not gonna comment. I'm not gonna comment on it. I'm gonna see what happens. I'm not gonna comment. And thankfully, my patience finally paid off for me. Absolutely, as well too. And honestly, that the biggest concern there, but him being going to another SEC school as well too. Like if you to end up not just leaving Auburn, which is a huge hit to them, but if you to went to like a Georgia or an Alabama or something like that as well too. God, would have been Arkansas. Yeah, or anything like that, that would have been a complete dagger as well. So obviously being able to keep him is huge and keep him away from your, the other SEC teams as well too. And as you mentioned, Auburn's kind of trying to flip the page almost to their next chapter. And he's a guy that could be a big part of it, especially for this first year. You mentioned losing Bo Nix as well too. That's a huge thing. you got to turn the page on that. TJ Finley looked pretty nice in his limited action. Grant, he's playing on one leg as well too. And I think having a guy like Tank Basley could help him out a lot. They could have, I think that could be a successful backfield. They just got to Build the pieces around him and get some passing route combinations to get some pressure off Tank Bigsby. I mean, they forget there Tank Bigsby falling down an inch in bounds away from beating Alabama as well too. So like keeping him is a huge thing for them. He's literally a t- their tank. He's not yeah. probably not going to have the best yards per carry just because of the way the offense has been run and nobody is scared of Auburn's outside threats at this point or their passing yes. game. So he's going to yes. be facing those eleven man boxes. So and the fact that he's still relatively produ- quite productive, honestly. That's a huge win for Auburn and keep but I still go back to keeping him away from suiting up in Alabama or something like that as well, too. Like, cause if you would have went if you'd have went to the, the other Alabama to Alabama, I'm pretty sure you would have burst a gasket having to see him in the crimson, crimson red. Uh yeah, I might have lost my mind a little bit. But <laughs> you know, it's it's funny too, because it came with the signing of uh Seattle's 
quarterbacks coordinator or quarterback and passing game coordinator, which is very interesting that the signing of him as their offensive coordinator came in tune with Tank Bigsby staying. I don't know if that was just kind of like, well, you know, Mike Bobo is gone. So maybe that we need to figure out our OC first before I commit to doing anything. But, you know, I, I, I don't blame any player. Let me first of all say this. I don't blame any player for ever entering the transfer portal. I think you have the same responsibility as your coaches do. If your coaches show a lack of uh, desire to stay at your school, why can't you do the same thing? I agree wholeheartedly in the opportunity. It's a business at this point in time. Amateurism has been long since a, a distant past. You, you have to stay in high school for amateurism. And even now, that's being being questioned, whether you can actually be an amateur in high school. But amateurism, amateurism in college is long since gone. So the idea of it, you know, the transfer portal has been is, is a great thing in my eyes. But, you know, I, I this is one that it proves that you can bring a player back. Just because they put their name in the transfer portal does not mean they have to transfer. We've seen it happen more often than not. But this just one, like this, this proves to me that yes, they can actually talk a player back. Absolutely, and everyone likes to talk about. Well, everyone's just going to go to Alabama and USC for the NIL deals. The ones who are going to reap the benefits of the NIL deals are going to be these superstars. Like if you have a Bryce Young, or if USC pulls in another Reggie Bush or something like that as well. Too a casual, really good player is probably not going to reap a lot of the benefits. There's the Texas offensive line NIL deal where each one has a full time salary of fifty thousand or something like that. Yeah, I, players, teams, schools like Auburn are going to maybe not quite pull those same numbers, but for a four star recruit that's not going to get the same deal at a place like that. They could come in and make money as well, too, with those NIL deals. So it's a good thing for Auburn as well, too. And I think it shows, as you mentioned, you might the five-star recruits might start going there, but that doesn't mean you can't get some lower-end five-star, high-end four-star blue-chip recruits because those guys are, weirdly enough, the ones that seem to be the most damaged recently when you look at it. Like you look at Jadavion Clowney, for example. He was the blue-chip prospect all the way through. You could make a case he was underachieved a little bit at South Carolina. He had a few moments, but he was never quite the dominant force you Whereas Joe Burrow, for example, will go back to a recent quarterback meh baker mayfield kyler murray had to transfer as well so i think it shows that it gives a different it gives hope for those like four or five those blue chip but four star recruits or lower five stars that don't get those huge huge opportunities that there will still be a chance for balance in college football at least keeping the same balance we already had which is not very much balance but it's not going to i don't think it's going to tilt the teeter-totter significantly worse yeah look this is one of those things auburn thrives off four stars right that's their that's their bread and butter is their, their, their three and four stars because they, they'll put up a top 15 recruiting class It'll be made up of a majority of four stars and three stars with their their one five star every year. That's how Auburn just operates. Um, so it's just you know to your point, Tank Bigsby was a four star guy coming in, and he's just like, well, I could go somewhere else, yeah, but why not stay here and be the big man on campus, raking that nil deal money, nil deal money, and you know maybe maybe who knows, upset a few teams along the way, but you'll see. But speaking of a guy who has a lot of upsets in mind, and this is my third high. And I did say I'd mention him in a second. It is Bo Nix. And this one, I love, I look, I, I still have to say, I enjoyed Bo Nix's time at Auburn as much as I complained about it. Hmm. I'm appreciative of it. And I think Bo Nix as a player deserved a lot more than what Auburn gave him. Auburn literally let this kid out too dry with Gus Malzahn's offense year in, year out. He was the number one dual threat prospect coming into, uh, coming into college. Or, and nobody on Auburn's offensive coordinating staff thought to maybe be like, well, he can throw and he can run. Why not use both? They were like, okay, so what we're going to do, Bo, is you're going to hand the ball off a thousand times and you're going to step back and throw passes to receivers that don't run set routes. And we're also going to do that with a very, very poor offensive line. So you're going to have to just run away for your life and make plays by yourself, which we've seen him make plays against the team he actually is transferring to in Oregon and Justin Herbert. We saw him make plays against that team. He was he was capable as a as a uh, freshman able to do it. So now he gets out of an out of out of a multiple multiple offensive situation in Auburn where it was just like, you know, he's already lost his confidence. He was already almost benched twice for JT Finley. He was benched twice for JT Finley, and then the ankle injury. And he's just like, you know what? Let me go. Let me go somewhere else. Let me go somewhere where maybe I can find some confidence. And I don't think there's a better fit as far as a quarterback going somewhere so far in this offseason than Bo, to, than Bo to Oregon. We'll see with their offensive game plan, but you got to imagine they're keeping their OC. He is still on the team that they're still going to be running a run RPO option-heavy type of offense. And Bo Nix, if he's given the opportunity to run like their quarterback, Oregon's quarterback was this year, and actually have a set amount of routes on the outside, he'll actually thrive. I mean, you've seen it when he actually has an offensive coordinator who could – set routes he thrives 
But you know, it'll 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 be mentality based for Bo Nix. But at the same time, I I do love this move from from the from just the outside looking in and looking at everything on paper. This looks to be a perfect fit. One hundred percent. And on top of that, too, I mean, we you talked about. I think the biggest hindrance was the Auburn passing attack. He was handed off a thousand times, and not only was it drop was it a traditional drop back to pass with absolutely no like actual passing concepts with the poor offensive line. It also was kind of like, hey, just go, just go make. I mean, I designed better offensive setups in Madden than that. I mean, my offense is dirty, man. Don't get me wrong, but like that, what they were doing to him was absolutely unfair. They put him out to dry more often than not, and he reminds me a little bit of like eighty five percent of a Marcus Mariota type. I'm not saying he's quite as accurate, quite as fast. Like, not that dude. I'm not saying he's going to win a Heisman with Oregon. But the offense that Marcus Mariota ran in Oregon, if they run something similar to that, obviously it's not Chip Kelly and that sort of thing. But if they have something similar to that, like they've kind of kept up since then, I think he'd be really, really effective in it. Get him out on the edge. Let him move. You mentioned he's a true athletic quarterback. Let him get out. Let him use his arm and his legs in situations, not drop back to pass and on a third and 15 because you tried to run to a brick wall twice. Keep him. If he has to drop back and th- pass, maybe third and five. You know, keep keep him ahead of the chains. Let him roll easily that way. He's not, a, he's not one of those guys that's going to save you from the pocket. He's a guy that makes. He's a playmaker maker that plays quarterback. Let him go out and do that. In Oregon, it's we. You mentioned the new head coaching situation. I gotta see how that plays out. We both do, but it's anything like what we saw with Chip Kelly and Mario Cristobal. He'll be fine. He might even get himself drafted, honestly, as well too. If he depending on how he does there as well too. And I still. I still like the comparison similar to Marcus Mariota, both out as much skill, if that makes sense. And that's not an insult. Marcus Mariota was that dude. I'm saying yeah. he has a lot of similarities, though. Look, former Heisman Trophy winner, Marcus Mariota. Yeah. So, uh, you know, uh, that's not, that's 85% of a Heisman Trophy winner. You feel pretty good about that. Exactly. Um, I just, and- I don't want the Oregon fans to come after me saying I think he's Marcus Mariota because I, I understand he is the greatest quarterback in Oregon history to some of them. They- Look, I mean, this kid, a lot of people had him t- touted as being a first round draft pick. As a freshman, first round draft pick as a sophomore, and then then they realize, oh wait, no, Gus Malzahn's offense is terrible. Hmm. He's not going to get drafted. There were talks that he just sits out a season and trains for the draft and goes in into the draft after a year of taking a, taking a year off. I mean, this uh, there were there were talks about that before the season, even doing it that before the season and going into this year's draft with a year of training. Like, I think Bo Nix has the talent to be a quarterback in the NFL. I think. He has to go to the right team, just like all situations. You have to go to the right team, right offensive mind to use him because he is a dual threat, but he has the capabilities to be able to make passes. It's just a matter of actually giving him time under an actual passing scheme, I feel like, is the biggest issue that he has been facing. Because under Auburn, I mean, Gus Malzahn's offense, is it it will make the best, most accurate – it would make Peyton Manning look like a terrible quarterback, Hmm. which I didn't think is possible, but it would happen. If Jake Fromm can make a roster, Bonus can make a roster. I don't know if he'll necessarily have like starting Super Bowl playoff leader aspirations, but he can make a roster guaranteed as a backup quarterback. Slash, you put him in a goal line and let him mix around a little bit. He he could definitely make a roster. I don't see why he couldn't. And I think this Oregon thing is the best move for him long term, definitely. Yeah, without a doubt. But that'll do it for my highs. I you know I had three easy highs today. I kind of been taking the easy route today. It's, hmm. it's Christmas break hmm. coming up soon, so you know we're looking at it and like ah, you know I don't feel like doing a lot of difficult hmm. talking on highs but dj what are your highs for this week the first one i'm gonna go i'm gonna start by going on a basically going on a campaign if you will so i'm gonna start things off jonathan taylor for mvp part two i made this case a few weeks ago as well too and i'm gonna make it a little bit stronger as well too he's coming off an incredible game against the patriots 170 yards a touchdown f- five and a half yards a carry as well too now leading the league in rushing by even more so. We talked about Joe Mixon was second in the league in rushing. There's about a 400-yard difference. Looking at Jonathan Taylor's stats so far this season, 1,500 yards rushing, 5.6 yards of carry, 17 rushing touchdowns. And honestly, he's leading in all of those stat categories, rushes, rushing yards, yards from scrimmage, touchdowns, all of those above. Obviously, the talk. And then the biggest conversation is, well, if Derrick Henry was playing, he'd be higher. Derrick Henry last year had 2,000 yards. How did he not? If he's not going to get MVP, why should Jonathan Taylor when he's not going to get 2,000? The part of that that makes a difference is the ability to get involved on both sides of the ball. Last year, not both sides of the ball, both in rushing and passing. Last year, Derrick Henry, 2,027 yards, 5.4 yards of carry, 17 rushing touchdowns. Sensational in, in the 16-game season. Only 19 catches for 114 yards. You compare that to Jonathan Taylor so far this year, 36 receptions for 336 yards and two touchdowns through the air as well. So he's adding that into his game as well. So he's got 19 total touchdowns. He's already has more touchdowns than Henry at all of last year. More yards per carry, more receptions, and more receiving yards. 
And he's still got three games to go as well, too, including two relatively easier games when you look at Jacksonville, for example, as well, too. That's a game I think we both imagine he's going to do pretty well against the Raiders defense, which we'll see. I mean, their run defense isn't exactly spectacular unless they're playing nine men in the box against Nick Mullins on three days notice. And even then Nick Chubb got loose. So you have to imagine Jonathan Taylor's going to have a couple of pretty good games down the stretch there. And then Arizona's run defense coming up. They've been a, they're similar to the Patriots and their pass D has been affected, but their run D does have some holes. And the way that the Colts have committed to running to him, I don't see any reason why he can't get close to that 1,900 yards rushing. He'll be north of 20 touchdowns rushing and probably even add another receiving touchdown, a cup, maybe another 100 or so yards. So you're looking at about 2,500 all-purpose yards and north of 23 to 25 touchdowns. That's similar to numbers when you look at like LaDainian Thomas when he won MVP. You look at Adrian Peterson, he had the 2,000-yard rush and was versatile through the air as well too. When a running back is a dual threat like what he is showing right now, and there's no other clear answer. So I think the JT for MVP case uh, is – should be strong in full force. I know he's kind of getting brushed off because it's Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady. It's how that everyone wants it to be. I feel like he's making a very, very, very strong case, though, and you can't really compare it to Derrick Henry's 2,000 because there's more to it when it comes to his game as well, and he's getting close to the 2,000 mark as well. 500 yards in three games with this offensive line in him with getting 25 carries a game. I feel pretty good about that. We saw what he did to the Patriots and the, and the Bills. He's got Jacksonville and the Raiders coming up and even Arizona, so. I, th- I think JT for MVP could be a strong case, especially if the Colts somehow pull out that AFC South. Yeah, look, Jonathan Taylor, man, it, as he rolls, the Colts roll. I think it, there's no doubt about it. I mean, the, the telling stat is that Carson Wentz, when he has so many passes, he is losing every game, you know? And and that's if, – if you have a quarterback who has capped on the amount of passes he can throw and your running back is giving you 200-plus yards – I'm going to give the running back the ball every single time. And if he's successful and we're successful, you better believe RTDB is going to be stamped on everybody's forehead for the rest of the season. Like, good luck stopping me uh, is, is, is if I'm Frank Reich. I, I'm, I'm literally just going to be like, Jonathan Taylor, here you go, bud. Just just go get 300 yards. Go go carry the ball 30 times get 300 yards. I, I, I don't care anymore. Like, you go rack up as many yards as you want to. I will throw you the ball. I will get, hand you the ball off. You'll even throw a touchdown pass if I ask you to. And, you know and what? I'm surprised he hasn't thrown one yet. <laughs> it's only a matter of time. I'm waiting for the Carson Carson Wentz uh, touchdown pass. Like he's going to hit it, catch a sweep, and then throw back to Carson or something. I don't know. And for the football nerds like us too, in that game you mentioned lead blocking for Naeem Hines on that touchdown run, completely clearing out the safety, and then on that and the blitz pickup as well to his ability to pass block. That's not going to get you MVP votes, but it's just something that football nerds like us can talk about all the time. And we see a running back pass block and destroy a guy coming on block. That's not, especially an offensive lineman. You see a running back going the block like that. It's like you know what? Here, take my Rolex, sir. I know I know running backs buy the Rolexes for the offensive lineman. In this case, you get the quarterback to buy one for him as well too. Yeah, 100%. And you know the offensive line and offensive linemen love it when their running back will be willing to pick up blocks too. If your running back can go into a pass set and you feel like he is just another offensive lineman, you're going to be just fine back there passing the ball. You should have no worries. We talked about Carson Wentz having one of the easiest jobs in the NFL. A big reason why is because of Jonathan Taylor's abilities, not just in the run game, but in the passing game and even protecting Carson. I mean, we've seen it when he's not on the field and Carson's being protected by another one of the running backs, like Naeem Hines, which still shocks me every time Naeem Hines is in there. Because, like, to block, I'm like, no, he's a route running running back, not a blocking running back. Anyways, <laughs> when he does, it's it, the blitz gets by him every time. I'm sorry, Naeem Hines. It's just not your forte. It's okay. Uh, but Jonathan Taylor, like, when he's in there, he, he has stuck every single block I've seen him. Absolutely as well, too. And just the final point I'll add on that, too, just to hammer the case home about his versatility, Derrick Henry, 114 yards receiving all of last year. Jonathan Taylor did that one, had 116 in the one game against the Ravens on three receptions as a running back. His worst rushing game of the season, and he decided to have 100 yards receiving. So JT for MVP, I'm sticking with the case as well, too. And depending on how these last three weeks play out, you never know. Maybe we see a running back in a, when it's completely devalued at this point, winning MVP, considering he is so much ahead out of the competition there's not really anyone who's really stuck out. Aaron Rodgers is fantastic. Tom Brady's been really, really good. He's fallen off a little bit recently, plus those injuries. TJ Watt's been really good in the games he's played. There's just been few and far between. Cooper Cup is Cooper Cup. We could say uh, plenty of superlatives about all of them, but JT for MVP right now, especially if the Colts somehow pull out that AFC, AFC South title, which would require some help and winning out. But it'd be definitely on the broad shoulders of that man who, you know, I'm going to ask you, though, a quick question. Does he look better in the NFL than he did at Wisconsin? Because I feel like oh. as amazing as he was at Wisconsin, he somehow got better getting to the next level. Uh, look, I think he got bigger and stronger. Like, I, I think in the best ways he got bigger and stronger. Like, sometimes you see those guys make the NFL transition, and like Le'Veon Bell, they slim down. 
other guys you see, you know, trim up. And and like I think Darren Sproles was one of the best ones. He trimmed up, like he tri- he got he was it was trim muscle, but he added more muscle to his body, and he was even more explosive. I think Jonathan Taylor in a lot of ways did the exact same thing, where he just got bigger, bulkier. I think also Warwick Dunn was one of those guys as well. Another guy who's a fantastic pass catching bot, bat, fantastic pass catching back in his day. Um, you, you know, he was also an explosive runner. And I think when you add, you, you look at what Jonathan Taylor is able to do, he's far and exceeded anything you would expect it out of Wisconsin. He was a great running back prospect out of Wisconsin. I didn't think he was going to be this good personally. I remember saying like, yeah, like, he's good, but like, eh, there might be better options out there. I just don't know if you waste first round pick on him or second round pick on him. And I think maybe third, fourth round pick. And that's because in my mind, I devalue the running back a little bit more. And lo and behold, I'm so wrong. Hmm. So wrong so far. And the best part was, and the weirdest part of they said, he's not very fast. Runs a four, three. Eh, it's not, you don't see that in pads. Two of the three fastest times in the NFL this year. So JT for MVP by every metrical stat. I'll get moving on this one. because we could probably run around this all day long, but I'll move on to my next one. Looking at the Lions and most most specifically their head coach, Dan Campbell. Dan Campbell, I'm just going to basically solidify him as he is a dude's dude. And outsta- he's done a, gr- it, obviously the Lions are a mess this year, but you can tell every game that they're in, he is fired up on the sideline. He is into it. We Everyone gave him crap because he's talking about break, busting kneecaps before the season. They just went in and they absolutely trounced the Cardinals who, not too, who were first in the NFC not too long ago. And you look at the way they play too. It's not like, Jacksonville where it's an absolute travesty with Urban Meyer kind of ran them into the ground. It's not like Houston where they only beat Jacksonville and there's a mess everywhere around. They fight hard every single week. They are, what would you say, seven plays away from having five or six wins? I mean, it took a a record-breaking field goal from the Ravens to win that game. Against the Bears on Thanksgiving, it took 500 penalties because the Lions kept shooting themselves in the foot. They beat the Cardinals. They beat the Vikings. They could have had, there's several other games they very easily could have won. This is a team with a lot of fight, and I think it starts with that head coach as well, too. Every time you hear him talks during the season as well, too, every time the players talk about him, he's, they found their guy. I think Detroit finally found their guy as long as they give him that two, three, four years, give him time to build the thing up. I mean, they got a buttload of draft picks thanks to the Rams and other trades. So I think I like what they're doing as well, too. They built a little bit of the trenches last year, Levi Anzarike and Panay Sewell. Next year, you maybe get a couple of receivers, some pass rushers, other positions like that. Maybe Jared Goff has a little bit of a resurrection of his career. If not, you replace him down the line as well, too. So I'm looking at Dan Campbell. I think he's a he's a strong, promising up-and-coming head coach as well, too. He's filled in as an interim coach with Miami before. And I think uh, this is a good stop. We might see Detroit uh, rise from the cellar here soon, hopefully. So I guarantee Matt Stafford's like, can I, can, can I have had him four or five years ago as well, too? After you nip recklessly got rid of Jim Caldwell, I would have gladly taken him. Yeah, 100%. Sorry, I was sitting here trying to dodge Dan Campbell's head. Hmm. And uh, look, by the way, let's not forget this guy is ex-offensive lineman, has cried for his team, literally bled, te- bled tears for his team. And, like, you know, he wants to be just everything. He wants every success for his team, and that's something that is is unheard of from an NFL coach, really. Absolutely, as well, to a true player's coach, if you will, but in the best ways possible. And that's going to take me to my third and final high so far of the day, and I'm looking at the UFC's knockout king, Derek Lewis, Kelsey's favorite UFC fighter, and one of the best, one of the best uh, post-fight interviews you will ever find. This last weekend, getting his 13th knockout in the UFC, that will set the that makes the record. Getting in the first round as well, too, absolutely sensational. He's a, the people's fighter is the best way to describe it. To people who aren't even big fans, they love this guy. He always comes to bring it. And the epit- we talked about Dan Campbell, the epitome of heart. If if he was a fighter, he would be Derek Lewis. Basically, they have a very similar. Basically, you you can't stop me, sort of thing. The the unrelenting heart. You there's so many different ways to describe Derek Lewis, but I think the best way to describe him is a bulldozer coming forward. He will keep swinging until the final bell rings, and if you survive, you might get the win, but you got to survive that as well too. Incredible power, incredible heart. Fantastic to see him get a little bit of recognition as the top heavyweight, as the top knockout artist of the UFC, and hopefully we'll see if he can get a title. He's come up short a few times, but regardless, his name is edged in stone right now, and. I absolutely love this. And I know you do too, as a true Derek Lewis fan as well. It's great to see him have his name notched in stone somewhere. I mean, look, we'll talk about one of the best ever post fight interviews, whether he wins or loses, he has got some gems out there. Uh, talk about, you know, uh, I mean, there's, there's countless things. I don't want to, I, I don't know if the family, the family's at home. It's Christmas time. I'm not going to, I'm not going to uh, sour some, some family's Christmas time with some of the words he has said, but honestly, go look up any of his post fight interviews on YouTube. 
They're fantastic. He even had a pretty good one after this one as well, too. I'll let everyone look that one up as well, too. I'm Once again, I'm not going to get into it. Derek Lewis can say some of them. I'm not going to say them, but it just wanted to get a quick shout-out to Derek Lewis, a true knockout king, and i love to see him up there as well, too. But that's going to do it for my three highs. And, Kelsey, we're going into the lows now. Unfortunately, it is Christmas season. It's time to be a little bit of a Grinch or an Ebenezer Scrooge, if you will. So what are you low on this week? Well, I get to be the – I don't know who this is from the from, from Scrooge – version but it's one of the souls hmm. and it's the one that gets to be like ha ha nini nanana boo boo you should have got your shot cole beasley so i guess that's the ghost of christmas past uh is, is that one uh finally finally Karma. cole beasley gets to shut up about being vaccinated like i honestly i don't care if you're vaccinated or not vaccinated just don't tell me about it every three seconds like every three words out of his mouth is i'm unvaccinated uh, okay that's that's cool cole i don't don't care just shut up but Finally, he is, uh, you know, oh, first of all, let me just say, I hope everything goes okay. He's, he stays healthy. Like, he's nothing too bad. Like, gets a little cough and in in, in a smoldering look or something. I don't know. I like, I, just, I hope he's okay. I just, like, I just am so tired of people just like talking about it. Don't, don't, don't tell me every five seconds that you're not vaccinated or vaccinated. I don't care. If you are, you are, you're not, you're not. So be it. But if you're going to keep talking about it, I hope you get it eventually. Truthfully, like I'm gonna be that guy. I'm gonna say it. I like, I'm and I'm happy. Cole Beasley, first of all, is is doing okay from all reports. But I'm happy he got it. Like truthfully, you so maybe I'm a little bit of a Scrooge McDuck. Maybe I'm a little bit of a, uh, uh, you know, Grinch with my heart two sizes too small or whatever. I don't, I don't care. But like, man, this is this one just made me laugh so hard when he got put on COVID protocol. It's it's the very it's almost the boy who cried wolf. If you say as well, too, he cried wolf so many damn times and. It, it was kind of, I just giggled, honestly, as well, too. And I I don't know. I agree with you as well, too. I just thought it was absolutely hilarious because he's okay, obviously, as well, too. Yeah. And it wouldn't be a big deal if, like, you just said, like, one time you're not. We There's plenty of players that say they're not, and we don't really hear about it again. The fact that every single time the word vaccine was typed in Twitter, there was a response from Cole Beasley or Cole Beasley retweeting it every single time. And if someone disagreed with him, he went on a 40-minute ty- tirade as well, too. It's like. You should be practicing on your craft right now because Gabriel Davis is taking your spot, it feels like, right now. So you, And the same with Emmanuel Sanders. And your team is starting to flounder a little bit. You guys need to figure that out as well, too. So is the come up that's hilarious, if you will. Yeah, no, 100%. Like it's, it is that old that old thing where you see your friend fall and then they just kind of you laugh, but they're okay. But like the potential that they couldn't have been okay was like kind of scary. And then you're like, oh, but they're okay. For me, this is the same situation with Cole Beasy. Like I'm laughing because it's, he's okay. But at the yeah. same time, like, shut up. Like, I wish he would have taken the Aaron Rodgers approach even more so than, like, I even applaud Aaron Rodgers for. Like, he said, Aaron Rodgers said one thing early in the season, and we honestly had no clue what it meant back then. We didn't know until he got placed on COVID list, and then it's like, oh, wait, you weren't vaccinated? Oh, well, why'd you say it the way you did? Come on, mm-hmm. man. Like, at least with Cole Beasley, like, you could have just said, yeah, I'm not vaccinated, and then shut up. Pull yep. to Kirk Cousins and just shut up after that point in time. And by the way, Kirk Cousins, unvaccinated as he has been, Playing an outstanding season. Maybe Cole Beasley should have taken a page from Kirk Cousins. Or literally just about anybody else who isn't as well, too. Like, it, uh, nobody truly cares that much when you, if you're, you don't have to say it every single time as well. So I agree with you on this one. It's it's high on my list that you put him on your lows. Yeah. Like, I, I, had, I had had to do something, right? Absolutely. I had to put him somewhere. So who are we looking at low number two? It's going to be tough to top that one as well, too, as we're in the Christmas spirit. Mm, well, um, I'm going to, I'm going to top it. <laughs> it's the Browns. You controlled your destiny. You controlled your destiny. You just just had to cover any man and not not blitz seven. You controlled your destiny, but he blitz seven. He gave up one of the deadliest fourth quarter quarterbacks an opportunity to go and pick you apart twice. Twice. Let's not no no not once no no, twice. but twice because of a penalty. By the way. He would have done it three times if you gave him a third opportunity and you blitzed again. I, You had every opportunity. This, this literally watching this game reminded me of the Auburn-Alabama game. That's exactly what watching this game reminded me of. Like, you fought back. You fought valiantly. Undermanned, understaffed. You're, you're injured. Like, COVID listed. Like, okay, yeah, you, you, you're you fighting out there. But you're going to shoot yourself in the foot. Uh, that's absolutely insane to me. And the Browns, look, I'll say this about the Browns. You should still be happy the fact you can still finish the season over 500. Let's not burn the bridges. Let's not burn the quarterback at the stake 
let's calm down a little bit because you still have a great chance to finish this season plus 500. And when's the last time they did that? That wasn't a playoff game. That wasn't last season. 2007, I believe. I'm trying. I don't remember their exact. I don't have their entire history. It was, it was like it was so long ago. I don't even want to think about those years of the Browns. It was pre Joe Thomas for the Browns. I think that it was with Joe Thomas, actually, if I'm not mistaken. Would have been. It was early Joe years. Thomas because that was like Derek Anderson, Braylon Edwards, and squad, I believe. Okay, fair enough. So it, so it might have been like rookie year. second year or something like yeah. that. It was maybe it was 2009. It was really early Joe Thomas. It was well before he slimmed down. Point stands. <laughs> Browns fans, calm down. Browns, you also deserve better. Browns fans, you also deserve better. Like you just, your coaching staff is just shooting yourself in the foot this season. It feels like constantly. Like if that, if they keep that game plan for for this game, for when Baker comes back next week with his shoulder injuries, that that the Browns win no no problem. Easy, you know. You we talked about it on the on the cast. The Browns will win no problem if they keep this game plan. But the problem is they're probably not going to keep this game plan. They're going to go somewhere else. They're going to try something new, and do something goofy. So. I don't know. I, I, maybe I'm again. I'm probably going to be uh, the the Grinch here, and my heart's two sizes too small. I'm going to say like you deserve better, but you're probably not going to get better. But you deserve better, and then you need to act better, and then you, maybe you'll get better. I don't know. Maybe. So I'm. Dev- I did see one interesting report today too that the Browns could be players for Deshaun Watson as well too if he becomes available. What are your thoughts on them possibly going after him if that is a play? Obviously, it would, it would depend on what they have to give up and whatnot. But do you like the idea of Deshaun coming to Cleveland? I will. Um... Assuming everything plays out and he can play off. I will currently abstain from answering um, because I do think there needs to be a moral compass involved in an acquisition of such a high caliber player. Fair enough. That was your way of saying don't know, don't want to find out yet. I, 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 I think it's one of those situations where you have to just let what's happening play out first. And if it plays out and it was all smoke and mirrors, Okay, but if it plays out and it wasn't smoking mirrors and there's settlements, keep him away. Keep him bye. away. I'm he's in the same boat as Ben Roethlisberger in my vote. Like I'm, they're just off into the distance. They they're quarterbacks in the NFL. That's fine, but they're not the quarterbacks that I'm going to be rooting for. One hundred percent as well too. So we'll see how that one plays out as well too. But that'll bring us to your third and final high. You've had pretty t- some pretty two thick ones here early on. Two sizes too small for the heart. Do we go for three? I think I'm going for three. I'm. Uh, <laughs> It's fitting that it's green too, so I'm going to continue the Grinch Soul Christmas situation. The Seahawks, uh, I think this the wheels have finally fallen off on the Seahawks dynasty. I think this is the last time we'll see Russell in that rave green and navy blue and gray and whatever other colors they want to throw in their jersey scheme. Um, it's it's too much. Like at this point in time, you've lost your OC, you've lost your your quarterbacks coach, you've lost everything so far. Uh, you can't use Tyler Lockett properly. You DK has disappeared into the abyss. I don't know where Jamal Adams went to. Um, He's out for the season. Well, no, I mean like oh yeah, yeah. throughout the season. Like, yeah, throughout his time in in Seattle, he has not been El Presidente. Oh, here, let me let me show you how his season's gone. Here's the ball for the interception. Oh shoot, I didn't catch it. My bad. That's been his season. Exactly. Bobby Wagner's trying, but there's only so much you can do when you're double, triple, and quadruple teamed because your defensive line sucks. Uh, your defensive line sucks. By the way, uh, your best player on your defensive line is Puna Ford, and he's been injured out and out most of the season. Um, and by the way, if your best defensive player is Puna Ford, I'm sorry, but you probably need to go pick up somebody. Um, your offensive line is abysmal. Your best players on this team are your fullback, Russell, obviously, and your tight end who doesn't ever get used. And that's not including your two receivers who you don't use properly either. So. The Seahawks dynasty, Pete Carroll, I think Pete Carroll is still going to stay there, but I think this is going to be a complete rebuild next year. Russell is not going to be in Seattle, but I think the the writing's finally on the wall after this loss to the Rams. It is They haven't looked competitive all season long, and if he stays in Seattle, if Russell stays in Seattle and this Seahawks team comes back next year and proves me wrong, so be it. But I just don't look at this team as being very successful going forward. I think they need to just kind of scrap it and reboot. 100%, 100%, especially when you have no draft picks after trading them all away for Mr. Presidente as well, too. So uh, good good luck, Seattle. You're going to have to trade Russell Wilson to get some of those picks back. So it's a, it's a messy situation in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, so I guess I've finished my, my my time of being the Grinch now. DJ, now you get to be either Ebenezer Scrooge or the Grinch or any other evil Christmas character that I can't think of right now.
it's kind of fitting that we said Ebenezer Scrooge because this first one when I heard about it kind of made me cringe a little bit as well too. And that was the NFL discussing the taking away low hits at after the Chris Godwin injury and Tom Brady saying players should not be allowed to be hit down below as well too. First of all, quarterbacks already can't get hit below though because of Tom Brady as well too. And if you eliminate all hits going low, so you can't hit high above the chest, you can't hit low now. You're basically saying flag football, clotheslines to the waist, or sack taps. That is the only way to possibly tackle somebody at this point as well too. You're eliminating the entire body of tackling. Obviously, we talked about this as well, too. As receivers, running backs, you would say, hit me up high, don't hit me low, because a knee injury could take you out for a while. But you can't do that because of the brain injuries and everything going along with it. So that eliminate, the high hits are eliminated. You're just going to have to accept the fact that low hits are going to be part of the game, unfortunately. It's terrible. We hate it. But at the same time, you can't take away low hits, too. Otherwise, it is literally you can't tackle someone if they're coming at you full speed or you're trying to break up a pass. That's really Derrick Henry's coming at full speed. I can't hit him low and I can't hit him high. What am I supposed to do? I'm punching him in the no-no square because that's the only way I can legally bring him down. And even then, I might hurt myself as well, too, because if I miss and I hit his gargantuan tree trunk thighs, I'm rolling my wrist and snapping it off. So either way, I just think this is big. I don't know what they're thinking. And I don't. Tom's the last person I want to hear chime in on on top of it as well, too. I'm like, come on, man. You don't get to chime in just because you're upset. You were the one that should have, based on the taunting penalty, should have got a few penalties yelling, go F yourself at a Saints sideline, too, so. He's the last one I hear talk about as well, too. But discussing low hits, like, what else is left? What can you take away at this point? Yeah, look, it's, it's so it's funny, first of all. And if you've watched Man in the Arena with Tom Brady, you've heard him say the words, you know, I feel bad for, for defense players. I, I hate it that for, for defensive players nowadays because they can't go make a tackle. Back in our day, you used to be able to just maul a guy. You know, Ron, what Harrison used to do to people is just absolutely, today he couldn't play in, in today's NFL. And it's like, yeah, well, yeah. But, Tom, you're mostly to thank for all of that. You're the reason there's no low hits on the quarterback anymore. You're the reason there's any taps on the helmet now that they're they're roughing the passer. And now you're going to complain about low hits. Like, I, I wholeheartedly agree that low hits are a abysmal part of the game. First of all, from a guy who's had plenty of knee injuries to, you know, anything else. Like, I would rather hit a guy between the thigh pads and the middle of his chest. But nowadays, if you hit him in the center of the chest – you're going to get called for a penalty. Like we've seen it countless times because your, your head's too close, right? Because mm-hmm. you're leading with the, the crown of your helmet. Now I just, I don't know what's going to be left. All I know is if, if they do change anything, uh, I'm going to be going to Darius Leonard and whoever he gets caught top by for that peanut mm-hmm. punch. And that's, that would be my method of tackling from now on. I'm just going to peanut punch everything because like, you can't do anything else. Like I've seen, I, I watched a guy in college football this season, literally jump full spider monkey on the man's back. Did not grab face mask, did not grab anything else. Got called for a, a rough in the passer because he somehow made contact with the helmet. And on every replay, there's no contact with the helmet. The man went full spider monkey as a backpack. Like, I don't know. At this point in time, I don't know what's a, what is a legal hit anymore. And I've, I don't know as a person who watches literally way too many football games. And then I know the average fan doesn't know. And that also means that I'm probably guessing the refs don't even know half the time. I mean, how can you know, especially when it's going full speed as well, So you see what looks like a hard hit while well, I have to throw a flag. At this point, you take away the low hits on top. It's like, well, he got tackled aggressively. That's a flag. I mean, you're taking away the hit stick in real life at this point as well, too. There is nothing else but conservative tackle. So I really hope they could look at it, but I, there's not a whole lot you can do about it, unfortunately. I just don't know what you could do. So hopefully nothing. Hopefully it doesn't get worse moving forward as well, too. We already don't know what a catch is. Do we need to not know what a tackle is now? I mean, my goodness. Well, let's just make seven on seven at this rate. But anyway, I digress. I'll move quickly moving forward. Next one, I'm looking at the Peach Bowl. And the reason I'm kind of low on this one is because we had two of our favorite players from college football this season. Two guys that were Heisman should have been Heisman Trophy finalists. One of them should have been, but got left out. One of them, you made the case, should have won it. They won't be playing in it, unfortunately. So all the allure that this game had between the nation, the potential future first quarterback in the draft and the nation's best running back and possibly the first running back in the draft, they both decide they're going to sit this one out and get ready for the NFL draft. Obviously, bowl season, playoffs, it's some of the best times for college football, but it is sometimes sort of the worst, and I don't blame them by any means. I get it. Get ready for your next shot. There's nothing. Very few good things can happen for you in this in this game. You can maybe up your stock a little bit, but you're more likely to drop it or potentially get hurt, so I get it. But, man, I kind of hate it. Like, I was really looking forward to this because we're not going to see these two teams ever play in a regular season. They're never going to get a playoff chance the way the committee votes for things. This is kind of the fun time when you get to see some cross-conference big battle royales, and we won't get to see this between two should-have-been-Heisman-Trophy finalists. Yeah, this one in particular kind of bothers me because I think both players could improve their draft stock. I think 100% Kenny Pickett can have a fantastic Peach Bowl and vastly improve his draft stock. You know, Murray, I think, can, can fantastically improve his, his draft stock as well. I 
you don't just fall off against Ohio State and then drop out of the Heisman Trophy candidacy and then have a good draft stock at that point. Like you need to have a comeback game, and he hasn't really had that yet. Um, so I think both could have picked up their stock in this situation. I, I, unlike some of the other ones we've seen, like I think if you play outside of a of the New Year's New Year's Six and you know the playoffs, like okay, I understand sitting out, especially with COVID and everything, like all that situation going on. But you're playing in a New Year's Six game. You're playing a top ten team or top fifteen team, uh, depending on which side of the, the, the ball the ball you're on. And you have a chance to improve your draft stock exponentially. Like if Kenny Pickett goes out and just lights up Michigan, he looks fantastic. Like quarterback, they're immediately like, oh, our last film on you against NFL players, NFL quality caliber players. Yeah, you killed it. Absolutely killed it. Like, especially for a guy like who plays in pit. Like, I mean, you don't play a whole lot of teams regularly on that side of the conference. You know, for, for, for Murray, it's a lot more of, you disappeared halfway through the season. Can you come back and have it have any sort of a showing late in the season? Like, can we expect you to just peter out every halfway through the season, or can you give us some late push? You know, and that's that's a question that will have to be answered somehow. And and there's no way to answer that without bowl game play. So you're just going to be taking a flyer on a guy. So that's usually going to mean they're going to drop more. Absolutely. And we talked about when we did the pickums. We thought Kenny Pickett would come out and light it up and put on a show. That is why we both picked Pittsburgh to win that game because we thought he'd be like, all right, guys, this is the future number one pick at quarterback. Here I am. And then lay it all out there. I thought he would find a way to one up the fake slide, but I guess the fake slide is going to be our final memory of Kenny Pickett moving forward in college football. So hopefully he has a good NFL career so we don't have to worry too much about this. But that's going to take me to my third and final woe. And this one is mostly just because of ironic irony. I'm looking at John Jones' tweet. For those of you who follow the UFC MMA in general, Chael Sonnen did get ar- kind of arrested. He wasn't really charged, but basically faced misdemeanor assaults for battery because, and I quote from the official, he got into an altercation was casually handling five different males. That's what, it, so basically he beat up five guys is the simple way of saying it, how they, how they said it. John Jones put aside a tweet because we all know about John Jones' issues. Like we don't have to get too far into those. That's a long rap sheet. We don't have a long enough show for that. But basically his most recent one involved domestic issue. He went out and said to, that Chilson had beat up a beat up a female in his tweet before all the information was out, which is an absolutely ironically reckless tweet when I look at it. Considering all things you've been through, you say, thou who is perfect shall not cast the first stone or however it goes. I think that obviously I butcher the same, but that's how it goes. If Basically, you can, if you're per, you can't be calling out somebody like that. Well, ironically, he manages to mess up and made himself look even worse. And it makes Chilson look even better for beating up five guys as well, five different dudes as well, too. So. John Jones, uh, the the trials and tribulations continue. I'll leave it at that. I won't go too deep into it. Yeah, my uh, the only thing I'll say is that the the tweet is, is was was this. It says Chell Sonnen, I'm not going to sit here and celebrate you getting battery charged against a female last night. That would make me like you, and I'm nothing like you. Instead, I will wish your family well. I wish the victim's family well. So completely off the mark. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. And that's where it's the irony kind of kicks in. I'm like, and on top of it, Chip, from what it says, this is obviously not confirmed or anything like this. It was confirmed from a different podcaster saying Ch- allegedly some guy was making fun of Chael Sonnen's wife and was harassing them. And that's when he had to step in. So that makes Chael even more gangster as well, too. Stepping in and defending your wife and then de- dealing with four other guys that get involved, too. He calls himself the American gangster. Well, it doesn't get a whole lot more gangster than that, I suppose. So I'll just leave it at that one as well, too. And that'll do it for my third and final load. John Jones, uh, he just, he's almost got a reserve spot on standby for this anytime his name comes up at this point. Yeah, I mean, like at this point in time, he gets involved in anything. We're just like, again, really? <laughs> it's not even like surprising anymore. It's more of just like, well, all right, write this one down. We have an elder scroll of his of his rap sheet at this point. So anyway, that's going to do it for the main event, which is going to get us into Kelsey's favorite segment, Crunch Time, presented by Swift, Swift Lifestyles. Wonderful pre-workout type of stuff as well, too. Check out our link. Use Hilo Sports as a discount code. Get a little, get about 15% off as well, So Give it a try. That gives you the nice pre-workout feeling without the itch and the jitter. So, Kelsey, what's on your mind here in crunch time? Yeah, so I'm looking at the Pro Bowl rosters right now and snubs. But the thing is, going through the list of teams, of guys that have been snubbed, honest to goodness, there are not very many that you can literally say have actually had a snub in this one. In the NFC, I'm I've gone through the list a couple times. I'd say maybe Anthony Brown maybe gets a snub, but honestly, the other three guys they have ahead of him, besides Trayvon Diggs, Jalen Ramsey, Darius Slay, Marshawn Lattimore, wholeheartedly agree with. Quandre Diggs might be the other question mark. Like, how does Quandre Diggs for the Seahawks make it? But so be it. You know, like I, I don't know, but I think for once the for the NFC wise, 
they definitely got this one right. I, like, I can't take anything away from them. And the no. AFC, it feels even closer to the same, except for DJ, as you said, uh, there's far too many Colts. It feels <laughs> like in the uh, in the in, in the in the Pro Bowl this year is uh, uh, what is it eight eight Colts total? I believe seven, seven. seven Colts. So, but the look, they, the, you know, you get the running backs right: Jonathan Taylor, Nick Chubb, Joe Mixon. You get the receivers right: Tyreek, Jamar, Stephon Diggs, Keenan. Mark Andrews, Travis Kelsey, Rashawn Slater at offensive tackle, Orlando Brown as well. Deion Dawkins, I think maybe you could replace Deion Dawkins at some point in time. Um, but, you know, besides that, you, you, I don't know who you'd replace him with. Uh, defensive end, you get Miles Garrett and Max Crosby. Uh, interior lineman DeForest Buckner and Chris Jones. Cam Hayward's in there as, as the other guy. TJ Watt, Joey Bosa, the outside linebacker. Matthew Judon as well in there. Darius Leonard, Denzel Perriman. I mean, again, Denzel Perriman, maybe replace him. J.C. Jackson, Xavier Howard. Fantastic. Kenny Moore gets in there as a corner as well. Like, there's a lot of great picks in this one that down the line, you're just like, great job. Finally, for once, the Pro Bowl did a good job. Weirdly enough, the only thing that I really didn't really seem like was kind of weird is uh, Micah Parsons. I know he's technically listed as middle linebacker, but he doesn't really play middle linebacker. He's a defensive end, outside backer, all over the place. So I think you could have moved him to, some, to one of those positions. Like, maybe you took out Chandler Jones, maybe. I'm not saying Micah Parsons didn't deserve it or that Chandler Jones didn't, but putting him a middle linebacker and leaving off a Fred Warner seems kind of goofy to me i guess as well too considering he's played the least amount of time at middle linebacker but i agree with you that for some somehow the pro bowl actually did a pretty good job and as weird as it is when i saw colts lead the way of seven that's impossible i clicked through i was like well yeah kenny moore that makes sense darius leonard okay that makes sense deforce buckner that makes sense jonathan taylor no no ish he leads all vote getters quentin nelson ryan kelly luke rhodes i mean that one i guess is weird as a long snapper but somebody has to make it so weirdly enough i think they got it right yeah no it's surprising that's and that's that's what's been on my mind for crunch time all right, and my crunch time is just going to be really quickly, and uh, I'm just going to kind of pose the question: Is Jake Paul a legit boxer after his most recent ex- most recent fight? Now five and zero, oh, re- tremendous knockout. Oh, what are your thoughts, Kelsey? You think he's a legit boxer now? Legit amateur. That you, all right, you took the answer. I said, as a professional guy that's fighting professional boxers, no. As a person competing in the sport, getting in there five times in front of a huge crowd, he's a amateur champion, if that makes sense, or a low level professional. I don't think he's a true five and zero oh professional when you look at them, but. He's made that walk five times in front of a much bigger audience than anyone else who's five and zero that I could think of. Like, so I'll give him all the credit you do, but at the same time, let's not get it twisted and start saying he's like he's that good or that UFC fighters can't fight either. I mean, he fought a forty year old who never really knew how to throw anything besides an overhand right. So we'll reel it in there and start talking about going getting out of control with it. But kudos to him. You have to give him all the respect. Like making that walk is absolutely nerve wracking. Training alone will be will break a lot of people mentally. So honestly, just good on him overall. Keep doing your thing, but uh. Let's not get it too. Let's not get too far twisted now. Like if he's trying to fight Canelo, it's still you're about five to six years away from that probably still. Yeah, look, we'll see if he does this Tyson Fury fight. If that's if if that's he actually a Tyson thing, Fury, that'll be something. I think Tommy Fury is the one. Oh, sorry, Tommy. Yeah, Tommy Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury. Yeah, Tommy. That smoke now. Yeah, no the uh, the the young one, Tommy. Uh, no, we'll see with that because Tommy Fury is a legit amateur. Like he's a legit a guy a guy that can go out there and fight. He's a legit professional as well. So. Um, We'll see if that's something that you know they can he can handle. If not, then we got our answer. And they're actually close in size too. They're not significantly smaller, so that's another thing to look at as well too. But just just a close question out there. So kudos to him, but at the same time, let's reel it in just a step. Like you're doing a great thing on a super size stage for your for your status, but uh, let's yeah, let's reel it in. But at the same time, good job. Your kids are gonna have a whole lot of money for the next generations. They already are gonna have a lot of money. Now they have a whole lot more amount of money to enjoy, and their kids are kids, kids, and kids, kids, kids. Just don't screw it up at this point in time. Like you're doing a great job to making yourself money, making your name out there. Congratulations on that. I I just don't know boxing wise. I just don't know if he's going to long term going to be there. I don't know if he's ever going to be that that dude, that dude. But he's made himself a nice career regardless either way. But either way, just give him give him the tip of the hat. Here's a better question: Is this the way boxing is actually going to go now? Is this the way to get boxing popular again? I hope not. I really do. I really don't. Cause he's the only, if you, you see what happens, like Le'Veon Bell was talking about if the Buccaneers didn't sign me, I was going to try boxing. He's so if you got in there with some of those guys, he get clapped up as well too. Like you got to, I don't want to see Frank Gore versus Darren Williams anymore. I really hope not. Like it's a mess. I hope it's not like when you put in, he's been doing it for three years and has five fights and has clearly put in the work. You see exponential growth. It's not just, it's not being a bully. If that makes sense, picking on people that have no, that have no skill or no business training. And I agree with you, Cody, for the love of God, I hope not as well too. Like there's different levels to this. And I really hope to God, we don't get to this point. Let he could be the one-off that's doing okay, but I sure hope to God, I don't want to see 
I actually know what I would kind of like see if Quentin Nelson retires and gets skinny and decides to start it, but like not as a professional, just as like one off exhibitions. But I sure hope not as well. Yeah, we'll have to see. I mean, it's bring it's it's making it popular, it's making it accessible to the younger generation. So maybe that is the way we end up going with this and turns into a a goof around spectacles type sport, but we'll see. I mean, there's no telling. But that'll do it for us today, guys. Obviously, it is a Christmas time, so Merry Christmas to your family. We will not see you guys until after Christmas. We'll see you guys just before New Year, actually. So we can't wait, can't wait for that. But uh it's been a fun, it's been a fun year, DJ. Anything you're 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 thankful for for Christmas time? Uh, thankful for all of it. We'll leave it that way as well, too. Glad to be where we are as well, too. And I just wish everybody a happy holidays. We look forward to 2022 being having a lot of similar, a lot of the same episodes, a lot of similar success and moving forward. And hopefully we get to see a lot of you with us as the journey continues as well. Absolutely, guys. So appreciate everything you guys have done for us this last year. We would not be here had there not been for everybody else supporting us. So as always, guys, we appreciate everything. And until next time, we will see you later. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.